Hello, and welcome to the Phantom Zone podcast, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today and you want to hear more, we have other episodes on a wide range of nerdy subjects on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Also, if you can like, share, and follow our podcast, that would be amazing. We don't ever ask that, and we should really do that because it's important for our demographic sort of like Pretty readings please. on Spotify. Please, please do please. that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm joined today for our continuation of Spooktober and all things Halloween. <laughs> Scooby Doo. I'm joined. <laughs> I'm joined by the always great Toby, who's here with us every week. Hello, there. usually. Hello there. And <laughs> usually. Usually, is it always great and then usually or i'm usually with you <laughs> just a, just a clarification here. i'm gonna leave that hanging and let you decide oh um, my god my my, <laughs> my emotions my emotions but this week we're also joined by the fantastic andrew stalo a very good friend of mine and fantastic comic book artist how are you doing andrew i'm well thank you ian good that's it that's all we've got time for this week <laughs> You can find Andrew on uh, Instagram, Stalo Comics. That's S S S Z T E H L O Comics. Thank you um, for that right, because I would have been deeply offended if you hadn't. Um, yeah, you would have gone. I'm leaving this right now. I'm qu- yeah. I'm quitting this podcast immediately. You're no friend of mine. <laughs> um, how have you been? How's things? Yeah, I'm very well. Um, I am working on my next comic. At the moment, fantastic. Very nice. nice. Tell us a bit about it. Give us a bit of the load. Yeah, so uh, probably about three, four years ago, I created a couple issues of an anthology comic called Tales from the Border, um, which is all kind of uh, short stories and the like, kind of inspired by you know nineteen fifties EC horror comics and and the like. Um, and then you know we all we all had a, a shared traumatic event happen. I, 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 I can't. I don't know. So, what you're about. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about either. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, nothing I don't. happened. I wasn't traumatic. Nothing happened. No. <laughs> uh, but I took a couple of years off to kind of think about where I wanted my artwork to go, and I'm happy to say that I'm now back in the artist chair, working on a new number one issue. It's going to be full color, fifty pages. Um, and oh, amazing. Yeah, it's uh, we're going to have our first uh, serialized ongoing story in it called Great. On the Dark, which Ooh. is a, a kind of gothic, spooky, psychedelic Western thing. Yeah, nice. it's, I'm basically throwing everything I've ever loved in movies and TV shows and books and all this at a wall, and it's all going in a blender. And you know, <laughs> it's it's just mad, and it's and we'll see what sticks. Yes. <laughs> it's the darkest hentai you've ever read. It could be really terrible. It could be really, really terrible. But um, hopefully, I'm sure it's great. Me five pound ninety nine for a copy of the comic first before you decide that it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> pay me, and then there's no refunds. That's the the rule. Um, that's an interesting. Just to expand a little bit before we move on. Obviously, you're great to be on a uh, Spooktober, being a horror fan. Um, but something of interest I'd noted there, noting, knowing your work for for a while you're choosing to do it in color yes Ooh. yeah you usually do black and white yeah it's because i'm colorblind as fuck so mm. <laughs> it all comes out wrong thanks for bringing it up ian jesus <laughs> yeah, like, i didn't want to come on and talk about my like personal deficiencies you know but, here but we thanks are. You know. uh no it's been really fun doing it in color um it's been a process and like kind of difficult to wrap my head around i think learning about color theory but it's been it's been really fun and i think Mm. the kind of visual style that i'm looking for is kind of inspired by like early early film kind of tinting and stuff like that so Mm. you you like watch silent films and they tint each scene so there's kind of like an overriding color in each scene um it's not it's not necessarily one color per scene it's it's but it but the, the 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 color across the comic is kind of primarily Quite, quite powerful in each scene in, in certain hues, so to speak. I'm uh, excited to read this. It sounds, really sounds good. cool. Just, just as a, a, a sort of nerdy subject matter, how are you doing the uh, the illustrations? Is it going to be traditional or are you doing it more um No, I'm blending it all together. I, oh, nice. I penciled the whole thing digitally. Yeah. I've printed it out on A3 Bristol board. I've Beautiful. with a brush mm. and, uh, the whole thing, and then I'm scanning it back into color and letter. 
sounds beautiful love it it sounds so good it sounds good uh, we'll have to come when you when it's published we'll have to have you come back on and like talk us through it and we'd love to like do a review of it and we'll be like this is terrible (laughs) (laughs) you'll have me on 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 the podcast and just like berate me for you know an hour and 45 minutes Um, so you really thought you should publish this (laughs) yes and you'll be up there with the high echelons of james cameron and Christopher, yeah, yeah torn people. down brilliant creators. In defense of James Cameron, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty good. You can leave the podcast at any time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think on another month, because obviously everything in this, well, I mean, you could argue that Avatar 2 was so horrifying that it's, <laughs> it's in there. Oh, do you see what I did there? Um, but no, uh, on another month, we'll have to have you on to talk with. I don't know, maybe a great debate between you and Simone, possibly, because Simone really hated that film. She, yeah. she, I know I disliked it a lot as well. I don't think many of us on the, the show actually really liked it, but yeah. Simone had like a visceral reaction when we were watching yeah. that at the midnight showing. She wow. really hated it. She I've only ever it. seen her get like that with two films, Avatar and then Ant-Man, Quantumania. She yeah. really hated oh, wow. She hated that, yeah. yeah. I think we've I all been quite... Of the recent MCU... Of the whole MCU. Whatever. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> oh dear, where did you bring this guy from? I <laughs> the silence just... Oh, well. <laughs> this man is a ghost. Um, I am... Um, yeah, no, I think of the... We've all had quite bad reactions to the MCU films recently. I think I really yeah. didn't like... Um, uh, Doctor Strange because I felt it was a waste of um, a great director mm. and you did not like Love and Thunder did you Toby? No, no but yeah. I think probably the most prolific reaction I've had to a superhero film oh, well. was The Flash Yeah, you mm. I've, I, oh, I've recommended people you, listen to that to hear how angry you are <laughs> I don't know, there was one moment in The Flash where um, you know, Ezra, Ezra Miller was talking about like drugging his younger self, and I was like, "Well, he's not even acting anymore, is he?" <laughs> <laughs> this so is a documentary, sad, but true. <laughs> this is a documentary, uh, apparently. Just Appa- yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is all, of course, conjecture. Okay, we're not saying allegedly. that has allegedly, allegedly, it has or has not happened. So, Who knows? It's the implication. It's the implication. It's I the don't implication. know if anything has ever happened any, anywhere. <laughs> At any time. Uh, yeah. um, so we are here to talk about a comic book today. Uh, we have neglected our comic books recently in the Phantom Zone. We've been very much focused on, you know, digital media and films, etc. But we're going back to our favorite, where the, com- where the show began, you know, mm. our roots with a comic book review. But we have got a bit of nerd news before we start. Um, we're not going to do you know, the nerd news chant because Simone's not here. You know, you can't fill the, the void unless one of you two wanted to try to do it. Nerd news. Don't that was that whole. totally not planned and it totally worked. So that was fantastic. <laughs> Harmonize and do it like yeah. girl dinner. Yeah. <laughs> nerd news. I did have my finger in my ear like Christina Aguilera, but... Uh, yes. Yeah. I could tell. I could tell. Yeah. And, and I think the first nerd one... News. <laughs> that's fantastic um it's from toby anyway i think you you you've reminded me of some news earlier this week wasn't there a bit of an yes. announcement from the dc eu do you sue you dcu yeah so james cameron james cameron no james cameron <laughs> james cameron has come into the dcu <laughs> <laughs> James Gunn. Um, so James Gunn has announced that uh, none of the pre-existing Justice League members will be recurring as their same characters from before. Um, so uh, no Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, no James Momoa, or Jason Momoa rather. <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed Momoa. with getting names wrong today. <laughs> James Momoa. There's a union of people. Um, <laughs> Jason Momoa will not be recurring as uh, mm. Arthur Curry Aquaman. But there's nothing to say that he's not coming back as Lobo, as many people Which I think is implied, right? We feel that's the implication. Definitively closed the door on the Snyderverse fans. So I think, as we had all said in our previous episodes, mm-hmm. bashing the DCU in whatever iteration it was in at the moment, um, it's a better thing to do. Let's yes. cut the chaff. Nice, fresh start. Let, let's, uh, let's move forward yeah. with... 
James Corn suite and see how his <laughs> Superman legacy comes out. I agree. And I think it's only a brief nerd news with that because obviously we'll hear, Andrew, your thoughts on, I guess, them closing the door. But I think it, it we've talked about it many times on the podcast that they needed to really say this was going to happen because there's been lots of like, are, are they going to stay? Who's going to be in it? Is this connected? And by yeah. saying this, like, cool, some people might come back. Obviously, Lobo's one that seems clear to be. But, um, you know, it's just put a finite point on it now you know um would you agree andrew yeah i think um you know i think obviously there's been this confusion i think part of it is because james gunn has started to promote kind of the last dregs of the dcu eu right so <laughs> yeah. they like you should not go and see this movie because it's irrelevant to what i'm doing um but honestly like after uh, reading everything that's coming out of the um what he's planning oh, for god's sake these dogs um sorry uh I will oh one minute. The dog's <laughs> parking. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, we're good. We're we good. We're good. We'll, keep, we'll, we'll keep that bit in. No, I think we keep that in. Clearly, the dogs are Snyder fans. <laughs> no, they're in umbrage. I'm back. Um, yeah, sorry. So uh, everything that he's 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 announced that he's doing, I think, is really really interesting. Yes, uh, I feel like he's doing kind of a mix of what we want but also the things that we don't know that we want in terms of what's coming on screen right and mm-hmm. i think he's finding new different and interesting routes to these kind of characters mm-hmm. um, you know we're not just getting a wonder woman movie we're getting the amazon's tv show we're mm-hmm. not getting a hal jordan origin story we're getting you know buddy cop uh, uh green lantern's tv show He's kind of finding new and different ways of of kind of accessing these characters. And I think that's quite exciting. I agree. I agree. I think that's positive all round. I don't think, I think obviously the dogs disagree with us being Snyder fans, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's important that they, they do close that door. Um, other nerd news is obviously, uh, Andrew, you've mentioned a little bit comic book nerd news, which again, we've been neglecting. Yeah. I don't um, know if either of you guys have heard about this. Um but it was only announced the other day, as in the press release was released like a day or two ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, Jeff Johns, uh, Jason Fabok, Gary Frank, Brian Hitch, Lamont McGee, Francis Manipal, Brad Meltzer, Peter J. Tomasi, and Maytel Zakut, I'm going to say, um, I apologize, apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, are leaving DC and Marvel and all of these companies behind and starting their own imprint called Ghost Machine at Impact wow. Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a been huge, a prolific number. crew of DC yeah. guys. Jason yeah. Fabok and uh, Francis Manipal have had a huge run, exactly, yeah, on DC lately. So that's, that's Jeff Johns has essentially been over Rebirth, one of the big drivers of DC yeah. and their image. So it's a huge number of yeah. artists slash writers to have gone. Yeah, we're done. And they've all so, announced as well that after they conclude their their projects that they're committed to, they're not working for DC or Marvel anymore, and they're going to be exclusive to Ghost Machine. Damn! So do we know that this may have something to do with James Gunn's? I was just makeover. about to say it kind of links to what we were just talking about because obviously the whole Jeff thing... Jones was so closely linked to yeah. the film universe. Well, plus it? James yeah. Gunn and Peter Safran's their new projects, they want everything to intermingle. They want this union of media. They want the yeah. animation, they want the movies and they want mm-hmm. the comic books to all be cyclical and in in unity. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see if that maybe had some some motivations behind it. They're like, yeah. well, screw you guys. We're going to make our own comic book company with blackjack mm. and hookers. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just, to, just to give a clearer idea of what this thing is, I'm just going to read a paragraph from the press release here. Um, so first up, we have a two-issue... I'd, I'd love if it was like, fuck DC. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the beginning fuck of guys. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, carry on, sorry. Two-issue prequel series called Geiger Ground Zero by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank ships mm-hmm. in November and December before Ghost Machine's first or- official release in January 2024, Ghost Machine Number 1, a 64-page special which will introduce its four shared universes of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is called The Unnamed, revealing a mysterious group of genre heroes from across history, featuring characters and titles like Geiger, Junkyard, Joe, Redcoat, and First Ghost. And um, Batman. I mean, no, no Batman, sorry. <laughs> uh, this will include an ongoing Geiger series based on Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's hit comic of the same name, which is already in development at Paramount TV. Uh, oh! Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, gotta have a TV um, universe these days. Yeah. Mm, sneaking that in there. <laughs> we then have the second shared universe, which is called Rook Exodus, a sprawling sci-fi epic which takes place in the far future on a world where every aspect of nature is controlled by humanity. Doesn't sound too far from now. Yeah, I was about to say. Just yeah. now, right? Yeah, that's just. And then we've got uh, this one sounds pretty cool because it, it sounds a bit like sixties Marvel. Fantastic Four a bit. It's called uh, The Universe of Family Odysseys, centering around the time-displaced family, the Rockets fellas, and their friends. Okay, that sounds super cool. Yeah, and then the the final one is an epic horror universe co-created and illustrated by one of our secret superstar artists to be announced, currently under contract. Following Ghost Machine number one, Ghost Machine's titles will begin shipping in April 2024 (laughs) with an all-new ongoing Geiger series, Red Coat and Rook Exodus. Oh wow! This sounds okay. great. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I, I, Gary Frank was a surprise as well because he's been a prolific DC artist for a long, yes, long time. A lot of big. Although names. he has had a lot of ties with Jeff Johns because he did the, yeah. the, the recent Watchmen run, didn't he? And yeah, Doomsday. Doomsday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of big names though, isn't it? How do you, yeah. how do you both see? I guess this affecting. Obviously, this sounds great in terms of independent artwork and, and artists having their say on their their projects, which I we always advocate for and and something that we're always excited to see because yeah. in the print of DC and Marvel you're very much under their scrutiny i guess yeah. yeah how do we feel this affects DC i guess in terms of losing quite a lot of marquee names prolific writers and artists i mean it certainly gives them the fresh canvas to work on i think one of the the biggest things that kind of like what you said that uh, DC i think the same with Marvel have got a very sort of strict idea about what what happens in their comics mm. and how they want to sort of take a narrative and then you've got the creator owned um comic book series like image comics the publishers image comics that have liberated that sort of sense so to give these guys who have probably been under contract with dc and marvel respectively for such a long time i think this probably gives them a little bit of free reign to unshackle their creativity be it from a story writing perspective or an artist perspective. And mm-hmm. I think this also kind of paves the way for a lot of new talent to be mm-hmm. found and discovered and have the opportunity to to get in with more prolific publishers like Marvel and DC. So mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of gives them the, the road to be able to create a whole new universe like James yep. Gunn wants to with new creators that are far more sort of willing to maybe use the inspiration that people have had before but use their own spin to find new ways around it. Because, I mean, art is completely subjective and comic book art is no different to that. So to find new avenues to tell new stories, I think that just, yeah. that's so refreshing to try and see if they can take that mm. road. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think myself, um, I'm excited for what Ghost Machine could mean. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the artwork right now and it does kind of, look like you know your, your usual your, your kind of genre storytelling as usual so the property yeah. themselves you know don't inspire me so much um i think it, it does look like kind of their versions of stuff we've seen before but you know it will stand or fall on the strength of the storytelling and there are some good mm-hmm. storytellers there um i think if there's one thing that concerns me is that of the group that are starting this uh of this uh this group uh starting this this company 90 percent are men it's true yeah, yeah. where's the like, voice i guess yeah how how is this going to be business different from how it's been before i question that um and then true. in addition to that i mean i can't i can't mention it who but uh i i'm um, friend- I'd love if you just completely threw someone under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Can't mention who, but this person particularly uh, said this. <laughs> I know somebody who has worked in the comics publishing industry for a little bit and mm, had dealings off the with, press with a lot of artists who and writers who have worked at Marvel and DC. Um, and let's just say that creatively creators are looking to leave marvel and dc as soon as possible i'm not shocked by that at all that's not shocking in the slightest it all comes down to copyright control and Mm. basically um the rates are not what they should be um and you know it kind of i don't know i think marvel and dc more so marvel than dc have Mm. really tarnished their brand recently with kind of these endless reboots kind of nonsensical 
you know, like if you pick up a Spider-Man comic right now and you haven't been read and you haven't read Spider-Man comic in ten years, like I was looking at one the other day, I had no idea what was going on. They're a fucking disaster at the and, moment. They're mm, madness. Yeah, mm-hmm, you, I think mm-hmm. you have a long time readers who are being alienated by the changes that are being made. Uh new readers who are coming in expecting kind of to be able to jump in and it's not that simple anymore. No. Um, and then behind that you have the companies you know, kind of long-term talent leaving in droves. Um, mm. So I don't know what the future is going to be for Marvel or DC. Um, and I don't know if this means that they're just going to run off, you know, the next absolute deluxe uh, artist edition of Watchmen for the 300th time. Uh, <laughs> and I'll buy it. No. Just... <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, we're seeing the comic industry atomizing at the moment and we're seeing... You know, I think I think we'll see more of stuff like Ghost Machine in the future, where um, you know, um, long-term public creators are kind of getting tired with maybe the, 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 the restriction and and using their power mm. to to kind of start these these ventures, mm. um, which is a good thing, and and we yeah. have been seeing it. It's it's been successful in the past with like Image. Obviously, that's the biggest one that Toby you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, there's obviously other print labels as well and I, I know frank miller obviously he's you know been a bit mixed over the years and a bit controversial um yeah. but he's in the last year i think we were saying in another episode he's created his own print label as well yeah um yeah. it's something that i think is becoming more common i think for this reason you know that what you've just said from somebody you know but i think it's no big secret that a lot of people not just in the comic book world but obviously how it transitions into the film world as well there's a lot of pressure within the confines of Marvel, DC, and yeah. working in that environment is, you know, it can be toxic and it's not good yeah. for creativity. It's not good yeah. for yourself. And I hope just Ghost Machine, other ones as well that we're seeing are successful and lead to creative ideas. Because Image, obviously, when it first came out, Spawn was one of the big things that really pushed that that yeah. label. But a lot of the things that were getting released were not great. Yeah. But now there is a myriad of great quality print label you know titles at yeah. image because they stuck with it and really pushed with their creative you know writers and artists so yeah. you know it could happen and we love to see that to be honest you know yeah. uh, i speak for the group and speaking of image uh and creative titles our last bit of nerd news which is a quick one is uh invincible season Ooh. two is coming back yeah and we had a trailer which showed some of if I I won't spoil things because obviously I've read Invincible, but uh, you know yeah. it, it shows some pretty cool stuff that is yeah. some of my favorite storylines within the uh, the comic book run. But it's back November third, and uh, are you both excited? I hope so. I would oh, laugh if you time. were like, "No, I don't want to watch it." <laughs> um, I, I can't. I mean, I'm I am excited to watch it. I think I've been so overwhelmed mm. with superhero genre media recently that I'm. Oh, it's a lot going on. I'll I'll watch it when it comes out, but I know when I watch it, it will I'll be quite excited. And as you yeah. said, like I think you've read a, you've read more Invincible than I have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think I've read the first fifty issues or so, and there was a character appearing in that trailer that um, had me very excited for. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, just Invincible stuff that I didn't think they were going to bring up yet. Yeah, and they did, and I was like. Oh man, that's awesome! <laughs> like, no, I'm just Toby. You've read all of it, haven't you? So I have. Yeah, I was gonna say, you, Invin- you're like me, who is like, oh! <laughs> Invin- Invincible is my favorite non DC Marvel uh, comic book series, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I mm. latched onto it immediately. Um, like Ryan Otley's art is just phenomenal, and I think yeah. the the animated show just captures that so perfectly. It's literally just watching the comic page come to life. Yeah, and. Mm. I was really excited to hear Robert Kirkman. So I guess maybe a little nugget news when um, he was talking about uh, Invincible season two, how he can kind of envision uh, at least seven seasons to sort of fully capture the, cause it's, I, I read it all in the omnibus. So yeah. there's 12 omnibuses and they are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the seven seasons do all get greenlit because that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Invincible, yeah. I mean, we, we liked, we watched and reviewed, so watch our, next, our last episode, on yeah, watch uh, those, watch those. the Alice um, Atom Eve. Atom Eve. Yeah. I've not watched that Animated episodes. It's very, very good. good. It's yeah. very good. It's very good. It, it just, I feel like what the cartoon's done really well is that it's captured the vibe of the, the comic book so well, but it's mm. also not, 
being like confined to do it exactly like what the comic book's doing so like as a comic book reader it can be sometimes a bit like oh this is cool i'm just watching an animated version of the comic book that i've read but that also has the difficulty of it just being the same thing so you're like well i can just read this it does that but it also brings like a new like element to it it's very fresh the animation's fantastic Mm. yeah so it's just really good fantastic i mean oh um, it's just so good so good. The, I can't wait, and we're going to be doing a yeah. watch along for it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Just chatting, or you know, what what do we call that show now? We just changed its name so often. Small talks, ten minutes. Just talks, chatting. Just chatting. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Just <laughs> chat. Shooting the shit. I like that one. Shooting the shit. We're just shooting the shit. Um. <laughs> so onto our main subject. Professional today. on this podcast. Oh, of course, of course. Seamless. The top of the top of professional. Uh, we're here to talk about Joe Gollum, a cult detective, uh, written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. Um, that's correct, right? There's not more yeah. writers. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, just yeah. those two. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. You got, you got it, man. You got it. My research has done me well. Wikipedia's <laughs> doing well. Um, so Joe Gollum is a kind of an interesting property because it's kind of a novel as well as a comic book series by yeah. Mike Mignola and christopher golden it's a kind of unique universe that's like an alternate world um it's very creepy very dark um very mike mignola uh why andrew is a fantastic choice for this is because you are possibly one of the biggest mike mignola fans around yeah um and your favorite well i'm speaking for you but i'm one of your favorite series ever is hellboy yeah um which i think is also fantastic i love hellboy so much yeah. so thought it'd be good to bring you on but we're going to be doing the first issue of the comic book run rather than the novel called the rat catcher mm. um which is a short comic um we might pick up more if you enjoy this one we can keep going through them the three of us together uh going through the rest of them as i bought the omnibus um but yeah the rat catcher we are in the sunken parts of new york i guess is yeah, it we're rat. in this alternative universe yeah. yeah um you might know a bit more about the universe andrew if you want to give us a bit of a context drowned new york isn't it yeah so it's an interesting one because um basically the universe has been dubbed the outerverse um by mignola and essentially what it is is it's uh, the two properties that exist within it are the the joe golem uh, series and the baltimore series as well um, which also started as another novel written, uh, co-written by Mignola and Christopher Golden. Um, and I mean, I think they exist fairly separately, but events can conf- converge at certain points. Mm. So you can kind of read one or the other and, you know, st- stop there or, or read more and, and you won't necessarily be missing out on, on important pieces of narrative. But um, mm. this, uh, this, this universe in terms of Joe Golem's stomping ground is like a 19... 19- 50s 60s new uh, new york that doesn't seem to have left the kind of great depression behind in some ways it feels very 1930s 40s and it's been drowned it's it's the whole city's underwater and so you have all of these kind of like canals and and um very venice-esque yeah very venice-esque it's quite yeah thing um <laughs> but le- but less beautiful yeah. it's quite well, creepy probably, probably smells just about as nice as venice does. <laughs> yeah, probably. allegedly as well <laughs> i don't know i've been there a few times it yeah. um, and the whole thing is kind of mignola's tribute to kind of the pulp fiction heroes of, yeah, like, of like the 1930s and 40s that you'd read in magazines mm-hmm. like weird tales um and yeah, I, I've, I have lots of thoughts on this. Yeah, so I guess I don't want to f- get into it straight away unless you. Do. No, 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 don't, totally. But well, what I was going to ask is a brief question to to the three of us. I'll ask myself this as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my opinion matters. Uh, no, my question to you guys is: you know, did we en- enjoy this issue? What was our initial thoughts of it? Did we click with it? Did we not? And then I guess our broader thoughts. So, Toby, what were your initial? likes dislikes yeah i mean i i really enjoyed it um i think i've Good. got the same omnibus as you so i've got the rat catcher and the the sunken dead mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. volumes i've read the whole lot um i'm actually oh, nice. really interested to see the the next because this is all um i know the two of you are sort of quite like Mignola uh, fans uh, mm-hmm. i've always liked hellboy uh, i've never Hellboy's been quite great. as committed as as it sounds like for yourselves um so this was completely new to me um, I knew he'd had a, a lot of other content, sort of other outside of Hellboy. 
um, but I'd never actually heard of the uh, Joe Gollum series. So this was all quite fresh and quite new to me. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you enjoyed but it. I did, yeah. I thought the the world that they developed was beautiful from Patrick Reynolds' artwork. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. I think he's... He really captured the the essence of what Andrew was discussing in terms of the the 1950s, 60s sort of style. It had a very film noir aspect to it. Yeah. Um, and I think Patrick Reynolds' artwork really sort of captured that grittiness to it because it's all very sketchy, all very sort of ink uh, driven in terms of the, the, the line works and the, the shadows. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Dave Stewart's coloring that kind of amplified that and i've i've always i don't think colorists get enough rep because uh, i've always loved dave stewart because he did a phenomenal uh, run with uh, rick remender and um jerome penner on yeah. the x-force in marvel one of my mm. favorite comic book runs for the x-men series um and i think what he amplified in this was really sort of bringing out patrick reynolds line work and shadow work mm. um and sort of capturing sort of the grunginess adding the color but not taking the sort of the grittiness and the noir aspect out of it um and he kind of there's a lot of scenes in this where you've just got the scenic landscape and there's no mm-hmm. dialogue and it's just allowing you to have that show don't tell and you can kind of picture and capture all the information you need to just from these like one or two panels mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you you get the sense of scene you get the kind of dinginess to this city and how everyone kind of seems to be a little bit more downtrodden and very much that, as Andrew said, that depression yeah. era-esque. It really, I that's a great way of describing it. I think it really does set the atmosphere of, you know, this being a very creepy, because Mike Mignola obviously is very good at the horror aspects of things. Hellboy has horror elements to it as well. Um, but like, this is it, the, the the atmosphere that those panels give you. It does set the scene for the the you know, occult nature of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Andrew, what were your, I guess, thoughts on, on your initial thoughts, I guess, on reading this comic? I enjoyed it. I, I was a bit cooler on it than um, uh, than Toby. Um, I think, you know, it did a really fantastic job of kind of replicating the kind of stories that you'd see in, in Pulp Fiction, you know, like with the shadow and the phantom and so on. Um mm. But I think as well as doing that, it also replicated some of the problems that you see in, in that kind of short story fiction mm-hmm. of the time. I felt like aspects of it were quite underdeveloped. Um, and I felt like by the end of the Ratcatcher story, I hadn't quite cracked the nut of like, who is Joe Golem? What is what is their connection to this, this Golem that they're having these flashbacks about? Um, That's an interesting thing. I'll let you continue because yeah. I, I have a thoughts on that too. I think part of this is some of the issues I have with Christopher Golden as a co-writer, um, because basically when you see a Mike Mignola Christopher Golden collaboration at this point, what's happened is Mike Mignola's had a phone conversation with Christopher Golden and maybe sent a few sketches across, and then Christopher Golden's pretty much written it himself. Um, mm-hmm. The okay. side of that is that we get a lot more content from Mike Mignola than we would otherwise, because he's such a meticulous artist that it often takes him a year to produce 30 pages you know um he he's he's uh very specific about how he works we're, we're getting a lot more from him than we would otherwise however i don't know if christopher golden is the strongest script writer i think mm. some of his comics particularly and i think you can see this in the rap catcher i felt like some of the some of the pacing could have been improved some of the yeah. things were supposed to be scary just didn't quite get that didn't quite freak me out as as it was supposed to um interesting i think part of that is because you know mignola's involvement is so removed from from the final product yeah um, that's interesting I didn't i've really got something to add to that but ian you you said you had thoughts on that well i i obviously i haven't read ahead uh with the sunken was sunken dead is it or the sunken, sunken dead yeah yeah i haven't read ahead i did really enjoy this first comic but i definitely a bit like yourself andrew i there were points where they started calling this creature so for the listeners, um, definitely read it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but there's a creature that's taking children in the city. Mm. Um, and at some point, they just start calling it the rat catcher. And I was yeah. like, when was that established that, that was what this was called? Like, yeah. The kids just like it. I think Joe Gollum calls it it first mm. before the kids call it. So I was like, the other did, way around. 
I think yeah. was it the other way around? Yeah. Kids say it first, yeah. But I was just kind of like very not established because if the kids said it to him, I'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about? Oh, that yeah. thing down there is the rat catcher." Oh, right, okay, thanks for clarifying that, you little shit. Like, why didn't you tell me that before? <laughs> like, but I like, I it just it seemed like, and I then went away being like, "Is this part of a bigger, broader universe that I haven't been told yeah. about?" So the whole Gollum thing and this like ancient golem killing witches thing i went to i haven't read ahead in terms of story but i looked at obviously joe golem being a a book a novel that was written rather than a comic book initially right i think like this is set before the novel so yeah this is so i i was unaware of that and i thought that the novel was going to be fleshing that out but then as you say it's this is a prequel so then i was like well this really i was really lost on what the witch is. And I'm sure as I go through, that will become more clear, but it was a bit, I hate to use the word messy because I don't think it was like, Oh, this is a mess, Mm. but the, the, the Gollum aspect to it, the fact that it's not like very well, I don't want to say not well written because it's better written than other stuff I've read, but it's just not, it's kind of a bit all over the place in terms of like where things are yeah. and what things are doing and like who people are. It's just kind of like good luck and run with it. And it's fun. It's good. But like probably what you were saying, Andrew, with that, that genre anyway, it's kind of like that anyway. So it's picked up the problems that that genre has yeah. before it. Toby, you were going to jump in on that. Yeah. I mean, my, my initial perspective was based on the artwork because I, I've always oh, I mean it is beautiful I really comics. like it, it looks yeah no but, um, with comic books it's always the first thing I mean it's the first thing that catches your eye but yeah uh, just my interests it's always been artist first then writing the second yeah because um, I'll pick up and drop comic book lines based on when an artist leaves the line yeah um quite quite prolific to be honest I, I've start and stopped comic book series a long time based just on the artist um but I I pretty much echo what the two of you say in terms of the story mm-hmm. there's just from the first sort of pages you get that very cliche you kind of get the old i kind of had the old timey voices like oh the, the rain in the city and yeah yeah it's, oh, it's she could have walked into any bar any bar in the world she, yeah. walked, into she walked into mine yeah, yeah i kind of <laughs> i kind of got that vibe and i i kind of felt that they were trying to keep the the narrative relatively pulpy yeah. but then as you say there's scenes where particularly you feel that there should be a sense of dread but then the characters are just over dialoguing what's happening in the yes. scene. Yes. You know, there's hundred percent the particular scene where the kid first gets cra- captured by the rat catcher, mm. which to be honest, just from a visual perspective, I'd say this is more the frogman than the rat catcher. Um, <laughs> I mean, just from visual aesthetic they're not rats they're uh, they're street urchins right so maybe like the urchin collector or, yeah I don't know, like... <laughs> well i guess they, they can't go too close to chitty chitty bang bang and the, the chart <laughs> it, can they but um i'd love that dick van dyke comes out <laughs> oh old bamboo it takes a real t- turn but, real turn but there's scenes where that that the kid first gets captured yeah i'm looking and, at that now and, and in these scenes you think they're going to scream. They're going to be like, what the hell happened? And then just get the hell out of there. You know, they're kids. They're not going to be like, oh man, this has happened. And oh no, this has happened. And then, oh, I ain't going to stick around. It it felt very dialogue heavy for something that really didn't need it. Yeah. You, 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 you got the information. You could have just in the story. Had in the, the kid imagery, being sorry. taken, couldn't you? Yeah. It could have just been that like a splash page or one single page of yeah. the kid being dragged into the, the lake. That's pretty yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and in terms of the the story throughout this this because I have read ahead, mm-hmm. uh, just out of intrigue, but so I guess you can say that it was certainly captivating enough to, for me to want to see more. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I I found the the subplot of the 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 actual golem creature mm. and the witches to be more interesting than the actual narrative. It was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Every time yeah. one of those scenes came along, I was like, this this is what I'm interested in. Yeah, like, this, yeah. Is, this is the intrigue, yeah. So that, well, yeah, that's that, what that I kind of thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like, at the beginning with that little, like, oh, you know, the the, the, the nights and the rain and, the, and then there's lightning and this guy comes out of a golem. Yeah. But it kind of is like Joe Gollum. Uh, it's obviously... It's strongly implied that Joe Gollum is that Gollum man, right? Yeah. I think that's pretty much is that. Yeah. But then he doesn't. I mean, his name's re- Joe Gollum, so. 
<laughs> it's a pretty weird name, dude. I think we've, I think we've deduced it. Yeah, <laughs> but it seems like he. I mean, again, you guys might, you know, be able to go. Ian, his name's Joe Gollum. Come on, he doesn't seem to know that he's a golem. I felt as we were going through, yeah. but then he's having these nightmares of being the golem from centuries ago, killing the witches. Yeah, and that stuff was way more interesting. I thought yeah. it was going to be like yeah. he's just a normal detective doing shit, but he's having these weird nightmares through this yeah. this this issue. We didn't need the rat catcher. Maybe yeah. we just have him having these nightmares, and then at the end, that's when he realizes I'm Joe Gollum. Yeah. I'm a real golem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been the golem all the time. I'm going to go kill some witches. <laughs> and it just runs off. And like, the design the of golem is so well drawn, particularly. Yeah. Like, the, like, the witch stuff is... is. It's just so. It's the freakier, weirder side of the story. Um, it's so good. Like, that, that felt very Mignola. Yeah. That, that felt yes. Like, yes. like classic Mignola. Yeah. Yeah really hellboy-esque like elements of like the witchcraftery the the art style with like the witches ripping people apart and then the golem yeah. crushing their heads and shit yeah That's i brutal. really it's brutal and i was really into that stuff i was like yeah. this is the stuff i wanted to see more of but then he it would just like quickly end yeah and we would have more of the rat catcher thing which was just really it not slowed the pace out. down a bit yeah it did. Um, I feel like you do one or the other. Right? It's interesting because I think it speaks to like Christopher Golden's strengths and re- weaknesses as a writer because Christopher Golden started working with Mignola as the novelist for Baltimore and then Joe Golden and whatnot. He is, he's a writer of novels, not of comics, even though he's done a lot of comics now. Um, and I think the pacing that we're seeing in the, in the story feels like the pacing for a novel or like the spark notes for a, a longer novel. Yeah, mm. where like and, yeah, switchbacks and the callbacks between both dual narratives maybe would be less clunky and more elegant in novel format than it would be in in comic book format. Yeah, and you can kind of see where that aspect um, coalesces in in terms of how I, I previously mentioned that some of the scenes felt felt over dialogue heavy, yeah. where that would be transferable in a novel because you need that additional yes. context. Yes, but I can see it, that. But then, in in the the whole benefit of a comic book is that the image does ninety nine percent of the talking for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having that extra dialogue just seems surplus to requirement. Yeah. Which is what you'd need in a novel. So it's that's a really interesting point that 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 does kind of show where that weakness sort yeah. of lies. Yeah. And I think the, the the comic is its most effective when there's less dialogue. You know, like hundred percent when Joe Golem gets in the in in his scuba gear and goes down into the into the water and kind yeah, of yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, that's a standout yeah. scene. That yeah, I I really enjoyed the the scene underwater. I think it was really well paced, and I feel like I don't know. Of course, with any any series where you're kind of introducing this new environment. Um, it's going to take some time to set up going into that environment, but it did feel mm-hmm. like it took quite a long time to actually go underwater. Um, yeah. And it, it, I felt like I'd read 40, 50 pages of this comic to get to the part that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the environments, uh, for, for a comic set in such an interesting setting, a lot of the uh, story up until then had been conversations between one, two or three people in kind yeah. of nondescript rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly, you know, Joe Golem's going for the rat catcher underwater, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is where the story's at its best and its strongest." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, Joe, Joe Golem as a as a protagonist, um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call him uninteresting, but I don't, I couldn't really tell you anything about him after reading eighty pages. It's true. Um, so I think when you have a, a a protagonist that's that much of a blank canvas, it's better to kind of throw them into situations like this and show them doing something rather than saying something you know yeah and i, I think agree. That there's there's room for development in that but yeah there's uh, even the auxiliary side characters none of them like mr church and laurie yeah none of them like there's obviously something to mr church like there's a uh, mm-hmm. that and his addiction to trying to get joe Gollum to drink these teas but um <laughs> You know, it really loves tea. It yeah. really loves those green teas. Yeah. Forget, the forget-me-not teas. Um, <laughs> but none of them seem to be like, oh, wow, I, I can't wait to see more of this character. So, yeah, I, I agree that none of them are particularly awe-inspiring. And I don't know if that's by design 
to sort of allow for a bit of mundanity so the the wackiness of the story can take place but yeah. it's it's not really the the wackiness isn't that gripping as of yet yeah no and i think like the just looking i've got the comic book in front of me now and looking at that underwater scene particularly once he's found the children that the rat catcher has taken and yeah. joe then goes back into the water to find the rat catcher um the tension that's built over these pages where there's so little dialogue is great yeah and like it's so well done and then we have within the midst of that him getting knocked out having another one of his dreams of killing witches which is probably the most horrendous one of him on fire burning witches crushing their heads and then he wakes up kills the rat catcher there's nothing basically said over these pages or at least the the actual dialogue bubbles and the actual writing is so small that the art is able to take the forefront of the comic and the visual storytelling is able to take the forefront of the comic book whereas i totally agree with both of you that earlier in the comic even earlier in that issue you have mr church talking to himself essentially giving an exposition dump um talking to himself while making again one of his world famous teas yeah and like it it just feels like if they focused more on the mystery the occult stuff because when I read Joe Gollum, Occult Detective, I thought we were going to get more occult stuff. I thought yeah. we were going to see more of the creepy rat catcher creature or the witches, but instead we kind of get caught in between the two and we're in the middle where we don't see too much. Yeah. Um, I which, that way to say this isn't an occult case at one point. Yeah, yeah. It's just a shame. It is a shame because like now I'm going flicking through it again. Like Some of the art is kind of drowned out, for lack of a better of a term by the dialogue and it is kind of a shame because the art is fantastic yeah um do we how do we feel in terms of the story how it ended i guess we find out the rat catcher is a creature that used to be human spoilers um so um and it kind of leaves on a obviously quite a a a dark note yeah yeah how do we feel in terms of especially it's Obviously, it's not a it's a comic book that we've had mixed feelings in terms of its storytelling. We all love the art. How do we feel that ending came across? Either of you, jump in. Feel free. <laughs> it kind of I, I enjoyed this first story, but if this first story was to introduce us to who Joe Golem is, I have no idea who he is. You know, mm. it kind of fails in that aspect. If it was trying to work as, you know, here is a short story in a pulp magazine that you'd pick up and then read on your way to work that has some a bit of action, a bit of intrigue, a bit of horror. It succeeded on that front. Um, and I think the ending kind of points towards, like, you know, tune in next week for the next uh, the next chapter of mm, Joe Cole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is kind of the design of this, that that's, yeah. that's trying to what they're, they're trying to capture that magic. But it's it's hard to, to have that navigate, because... By that very message you should have it shorter yeah where mm-hmm. this it, it it tries to build a world narratively mm. but it does it through conversation that doesn't propel the story too far yeah um like you say that there's multiple scenes where there's a lot of dialogue between mr church or laurie in their various locations but the locations themselves don't get a huge amount of context to what they are like yeah. Is like you'd think if if I mean I don't want to go too far ahead because I have read ahead mm-hmm. and there is some development in certain areas, but mm-hmm. w- what is Mister Church other than like he's an investigator in his own right? Yeah. But what are his tools? What does he use to mm-hmm. investigate? Like w- what is the world that they're navigating to get their cases? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That's something that I feel like should have propelled them forward in the first. Yeah. Um, sort of f- first few issues because I agree. It, it kind of seems a bit by happenstance that this falls on their lap. Yeah. Um, yes. Like uh, he he, get, he gleans the information, Mister Church, that is via a newspaper clipping. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. y- you'd feel that if he's as prolific as he is, then yeah. there should be something more at play, particularly if we're talking about the occult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I I totally agree with that, and I think 
maybe this would have worked if they weren't wanting to flesh out those characters being a lot shorter. Like, Andrew, you, you saying it's like, oh, like an issue of a pulpy sort of comic that you get. Obviously, this isn't a singular issue. This is across, like, three issues, right? Yeah. And yeah. and they're not short issues either. They're not like a quick zip through yeah. and then you're done. Um, and it's clearly trying to set something up for more because it is a long uh, omnibus and there's a lot more there but I feel like it didn't do enough for me anyway like I will read the rest I bought it It wasn't cheap but I will say (laughs) 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 um, I will say that like if the intent if this issue is to get me to keep reading I kind of left that that ending with like, oh, so uh, could have been a human, and then he's like, well, just drink your tea, you yeah, know, drink yeah. that tea. I just kind of was like, okay, then, all right, I guess, I guess that's the end of that. Then yeah, I just think like, um, if this was something that Mike Mignola had created entirely himself, right? I think it would have been no longer than like twenty five, thirty pages. Um, and on top of that, we probably would have cut the entire first half of the story and just had the sequence of him diving into the into the um into the museum right because you think about some of those like shorter hellboy stories where Mm -hmm. it's like these one-off adventures where he he goes somewhere and it always starts with throwing hellboy into the middle of the action and he kind of figures out what's going on as it goes on whereas Mm -hmm. this felt like not that this felt like a novelistic or kind of you know we we got to make up three issues worth of content for this one story type thing Mm -hmm. spread it you get you get everything you need once he has gone yeah, into yeah. the seat because you get him getting knocked unconscious, having flashbacks to him being a golem, yeah. him fighting the rat catcher. You could have had it like, oh, Joe, we've got you have the beginning bit where Joe obviously goes from being golem to not being a golem, yeah. being golem from Lord of the Rings. Uh, he goes <laughs> goes from that to to that. You yeah. could have had him just being like, Joe, we've got this case where kids keep getting taken underwater. We don't know what's going on. You need to get down there. He yeah. goes down there. We have the the ladies like, you better find my kids. And he's like, yeah, I will. And then he jumps into the ocean. Boom. Straight yeah. into it. Like yeah. instead the whole all of that I just described, which was pretty much all that happened. The, the lady who looked after the orphans was like, you better find my bloody kids. That was stretched over an entire issue. Yeah. Like that was an entire issue of this comic was them yeah. like going back and forth being like well um, you're a pretty lady and he's like well you're a pretty man but you were a golem that <laughs> killed witches which yeah. is kind of weird Maybe. <laughs> I mean I think it sort of boils down to us in summation that we we like the premise we loved the art but the story had intrigue but it was overdeveloped to the point where it kind of lost its own momentum yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, and yeah, I, completely. Say, well, like I've not read the novel, but I do have the novel um, to read at some point. Mm. And the novel has probably about 150 black and white illustrations by Mignola. And oh. um, as much as I love, you know, Patrick Reynolds' artwork in this, and I, I do really love it. I think his figure work is really good. I think some panels you can see that it, maybe it's been photo referenced and it's a bit stiff, but overall, really good. Um, I must say that. Mignola's version of the Drowning City, Mignola's version of the Golem, Mignola's version of all of this. That's what I want to see. Not I was everything else. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I, this is going to sound very harsh to to Patrick Reynolds. I really liked the art, but yeah. when I did start the comic, because the front cover of the comic is um oil painting right yeah it's the oil painting so i didn't know what i was going to get in the art i didn't look up this comic very much like me and toby were talking about what horror comic should we do for spooktober we went back and forth about a couple and then we found this one we were both like oh we like mike mignola i like hellboy let's do it like let's jump into it this isn't i'm working with mignola either he he um illustrated a storyline for the abe sapien comics from uh from the hellboy universe as well Mm. Well, I, I I opened it and was disappointed that it wasn't Mignola's art. Yeah. Like I know I know I shouldn't say that because Patrick Reynolds' art is great, but mm. when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, I kind of wanted Mike Mignola's art. Because I, I Mike Mignola's art is such like a and I've seen the cover to The Drowned City. Mike Mignola's art is so creepy and like unsettling yeah. and like so unique in terms of yeah. comic book artists. 
that whenever there's an opportunity where I see Mike Mignola, I'm like, I really hope he's doing the art to this. I'm not maybe saying it, uh, you should sideline other artists. Patrick Reynolds is great. It's fa- it's really, really good. And it really works for this universe. Yeah. But I would pay more. I would buy another issue of this if it was all Mignola's art as well. Yeah. I would have both. I would want both because yeah. it's it, it would be, I think it would add so much more to this universe if it's all this creepiness. Yeah, and um, mm. yeah, a hundred percent agree. I think uh, also, I think one aspect that let me down slightly. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't call this a criticism because I think it's more about my expectation from the title rather than you know just mm. taking on the comic as as what it was. But mm. um, you know, the golem is such an ancient figure in folklore and myth. You know, with yes. so much root in roots in in kind of Jewish heritage. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So you, you think like the nineteen the 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 nineteen twenty one silent movie um, has like cast a shadow over a lot of horror films that have come out since. Well, even um, even pop culture like the Simpsons yeah, references it exactly. in, in a, a Treehouse of Horror episode. Yeah. So it's it's and it's there in the lexicon. I yeah. feel like that there wasn't much that was actually felt authentically Jewish in the comic and i wish that there was to make it were they meant to be jewish specific well that's the thing like all these monks that were running around at the beginning i was trying to figure out if they were jewish or christian or what you know they, they like, kind of gave christian vibes but golem i thought it was christian by the very definition are, are a jewish creation exactly yeah um, yeah supposed to defend like hearth and home yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and you know maybe i i don't necessarily say that as a criticism because maybe later stories will lean into that but I kind of was. Exp- I-, I wanted more of that side of things. I wanted mm-hmm. Vignola to explore Jewish mythology in the way that he has done. You know, like um, in some of the Hellboy stories, he's 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 uh, explored African mythology and Japanese mythology and Irish mm-hmm. mythology. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been really cool. Um, so, I, I again, I don't list that as a criticism because that was just an expectation that wasn't delivered. And also, it's maybe artistic choice. We don't know. Yeah you know what the artistic choice was there exactly. we as you say we haven't it's a very short comic so we don't fully know yeah. but i do agree that the golem itself the physical aspect of the golem doesn't scream to me you know the as you say the iconic referencing of the golems uh or the golem the jewish sort of like um uh presence of it um so yeah i think that's a very fair fair yeah. take of it i do as i say just to be clear though all three of us did really like the art yeah, of this it's, it's great but i am always looking for mike Mignola's art more than like See, others i, I feel like situations. defending patrick a little bit because i i well you defend him you defend I will, him then. i will because i i think <laughs> you'll be I, judged I, but defend him no i'm joking <laughs> i mean i i've seen Mignola's work on say like gotham by gaslight and things like that and obviously hellboy um they're very atmospheric they're, they're beautiful work they're crafted pieces of art but i feel like this it it fits the narrative tone yeah mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. I, no, that's I, true yeah, i, yeah, I yeah. like the dinginess to it and i think sometimes give, give a bit of an underdog a chance I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> sometimes don't be a dicky and it's basically it, what he said <laughs> if everything might be Nola, then it kind of takes the the magic out of his own work it's true everything true i saturated. guess those sketches look amazing yeah you, and like, you, you you get I mean this this guy um, Patrick Reynolds there's there's lots of influences that you can sort of tell um, you know there's 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 vibes of Sean Phillips who's very much sort of similar sort of vibes where it's mm-hmm. it's very painterly it's very ink based and then even sort of Marvel with Declan Shavley, um, yeah. you know, he's he's another very sort of rough around the edges type of artist and m- maybe he would have had some um, very similar because there's um, criminal. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, mm. the two of them. This this book and the the art gives me some significant vibes of that. And I think mm-hmm. when you look at um, the 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 noir, the film noir, which this is clearly sort of heavily influenced by, mm-hmm. it, it's very heavy shadows, very yeah, Mignola essence. But I think this gives it that grounded, more realism. No, you're hundred percent sort of right. To the pulpiness, yeah. So I think that's a good place to end our discussion today. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed listening to it at home. And I hope we all enjoyed reading Joe Gollum. We will be hopefully picking this up again, maybe in another year's time as our spooktober continues. 
But uh, we have many more episodes coming out in the future. We have our Halloween off at the end of the month, which is going to be our uh, great debate about what is the best Halloween film of all time. Uh, and we have a few others planned ahead. We've got our Loki watch along as well. So make sure to stay tuned to the channel. You can always find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere where you find them. And make sure to like and share all our episodes. That would be really helpful. Unless you don't like them and then don't share them, but still listen because we, we want to hear your thoughts and give us feedback as well. And we might read it out. In fact, this episode was suggested by one of our listeners who always drops us a message called Sophie. So thank you, Sophie, for suggesting that we pick up more comic books, returning to our roots. Uh, which we will be doing more of in the future. So stay tuned for more comic book reviews, film reviews, and just general chit-chat and discussion. So thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>